please remain standing. If you would turn to the book of Jude, right the very last book of the Bible is Revelation, right before the book of Revelation, a one-chapter book of Jude. Pretty easy to miss it. We uh, started about a month ago on this book of Jude. It's certainly not the second last of the books that's written, but God put it as the second last book in the Bible. And God put it there for a reason. The very last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. Revelation it talks about the Lord coming back. It talks about when he comes back in the rapture, he'll take those that are truly believers out. Seven years of tribulation that follows and the Lord comes down, sets up a throne. And so the book right before Revelation is this book of Jude. God put it there because it describes what's going to be going on in this world just before Jesus comes back. And so it's a great warning. I would like us to begin with just one verse. It's going to take the rest of the night to finish the verse. Jude, verse 6. So if we could read that together, Jude, verse 6. I, I noticed the very first word is and. Of course, you don't start a sentence with and if you passed your English class. So obviously, verse 6 is a continuation of the previous verse, We'll look at that in just a minute. But let's read together Jude, verse 6, reading together, reading it out loud. Again, verse number 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Let's pray. Father, again, we're thankful for each one that's here. Again, how grateful we are for all that you've done for us this past week. Help us to understand what it is that Jude is writing about. Help us to take to heart the warning that Jude is trying to give us. And we'll thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Do you know that uh, Jude's warning is in the last days there will be apostasy. That word apostasy means a turning away from the faith. So right before the Lord comes back in the rapture, there will be many who embrace the Christian faith, who will decide I've had enough. I don't want this anymore. I'm going to walk away from that. That is what apostasy is. It's a turning away from the faith. Sometimes the word faith in the Bible means trust. For by faith are you saved through, for by grace are you saved through faith. And so we're saved by trusting what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. If you have never trusted what Jesus did for you at the cross of Calvary, that's a decision that you need to make. Sometimes faith means trust. Sometimes faith is a word that embraces all that we believe. We say that we are of the Christian faith. And uh, so again, when he says uh, that there will be a great turning away from the faith, that's what he's talking about. Uh, look there in verse number three. Do you know the whole reason that Jude wrote this little chapter? Uh, verse number three, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. That's what he was going to write about. He's going to write how good it is to be saved. But before he got writing that, the Spirit of God changed his mind and his subject. Again, look there in verse number three. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you 
and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You say, well, preacher, why would he give that warning? Well, we see that there in verse number four, and I'm not going to re-preach it all, but you have to understand the background. Verse number four, he says, for there are, that's even in the first generation, or sorry, first century, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So what Jude is saying is in the very last days before Jesus comes back, there will be those that will sneak into churches and try to change that old-fashioned faith. What they're going to try to do is bring in a license to live any way that you want. They are going to reject the lordship of God. They're going to try to reject the lordship of Jesus Christ. So they'll give lip service, yes, I believe in God. They will give lip service, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, but they won't let Jesus Christ be the Lord of their life. That word Lord showed up twice there in verse number four. Notice it doesn't show up at all in verse number one. Back there in verse one, once I set the platform, it'll make sense where we're going. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Jude has already identified Jesus Christ. He's already identified God the Father. What he's done that's different in verse 4 is said in the last generation. There will be people that acknowledge there's a Jesus. They just won't let him be their Lord. There will be people that acknowledge there's a God but they won't let him be in charge of their life. And so Judah's warning, don't fall for that persuasion. Again, there will be those that'll try to work their way in. In fact, he used the word there in verse number four, crept in. If we say creeps, somebody's gonna be offended, so we won't say creeps. We'll say crept. There'll be people that crept into old-fashioned churches, and they'll try to change it. And so Judah's saying, don't fall for that. Earnestly contend against that. Because he said, this faith, now again, that's more than trust. This faith is all that we Christians hold to. He said uh, there again, look at the end of verse number three. Uh, contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Folks, the, what we believe, we just didn't get in a, in a back room of a restaurant years ago and said, you know, let's start a church. Well, sure, what are we going to stand for? Well, let's stand for an old-fashioned King James Bible. Yeah, let's stand for that. Uh, let's stand for old-fashioned preaching. Yeah, let's go for old-fashioned preaching. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, tell people that they need to come to church every time the doors are open. In this church, that's seven days a week. We're not saying that. Uh, but uh, three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. Yeah, let's believe that. Folks, some people think that Christian churches, somebody just kind of made up all that stuff in some backroom meeting. And he said, no, no, we have been handed this faith down. It was once delivered unto the saints. Folks, we are just continuing at Golden Plains Baptist Church. 
what churches have held for a long time. We're just continuing that. And there will be this idea from some that we don't like that old-fashioned faith. We want to change that. Jude is saying, don't you let them change your faith. Don't you let them tweak this and change that and stop that and fix that. You have to earnestly contend against that. Now, God has already said that he is going to deal swiftly with those people that try to change the faith. In fact, he said there in verse number, uh, verse number four, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. God's going to deal with them. But Jude said, you don't want to be a casualty in the process of what they're trying to do. God's going to judge it. Now, as soon as a preacher stands up and says, God will judge even believers who want to change the faith, there's always some bleeding heart somewhere that says, oh, no, they're Christians. God would never judge a Christian even if the Christian is doing what's wrong. I hope that you don't say that. Because God will judge anyone for doing what's wrong. So I think that Jude recognizing there would be a pushback against this idea that God will judge these that try to creep in and change. Jude said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to reach back into the Old Testament and I'm going to show you three Old Testament examples of how people that were once favored by God, blessed by God, helped by God, that God judged them in their lives. Though they were favored by the Lord, they experienced the judgment of God. The first one we saw last time, verse number five. Look at it quickly and then we'll get to today. Uh, verse number five, he said, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them to believe not. You know what his first example is? The nation of Israel that were enslaved in Egypt. How they were calling out to God that God would save them. And so sure enough, God sent Moses to deliver them from Egypt. God says all two million of those Jews experienced the saving of God in their lives. Look at the rest of verse 5. This is first Old Testament example. Though he once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them to believe not. So even though this group of this nation of Israel, even though they went through what we would say was a type of a salvation experience, after that, how many of those Jews God condemned because they made choices contrary to God? And we saw that. We looked at 10 different occasions in the book of Numbers where those Jews that had been saved made a poor choice and God judged them. They, they endured that test, but they failed at that test. His whole point, you can be a Christian, and yet every choice you make could be the choice that knocks you out of being fruitful for God. Uh, Mrs., uh, Mrs. Lowen, she made that statement in her testimony. 
apparently one of the ladies at that meeting said, you are one choice away from being set aside by God. And so they said, Jude says, don't forget what happened to Israel. That was his first example. Today, tonight we're going to look at the second example. Look there in verse 6. His second example is, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So his second example is angels. Now, you know what? This world seems to be taken up with the idea of angels. And yet Jude's second example is what about the angels? And so we're going to look at that. If you're taking notes tonight, our title is The Angels That Sinned. The Angels That Sinned. I have a lot of material to cover in 30 minutes. I hope you can take notes quickly. Hold your hand in Jude or put a bookmark, a bookmark there, if you would. Genesis chapter 16. So we're going to the very beginning of our Bible, the book of Genesis chapter number 16. Pastor, what are we to learn from the angels that sin? Look there in Genesis 16 and verse number 7. Genesis chapter 16 and verse number 7, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said to Hagar, this is the angel speaking. Do you know in the Bible we find the word angel, angels, 283 times. Sometimes when preachers preach on a subject, there's only just a handful of verses and you really have to squeeze the verses for all you get. Not on the subject of angels. You know, there's 283 times where we find angels mentioned in the Bible. And this is the very first time. Notice there again in verse, uh, Genesis chapter 16 and verse 7. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, uh, by the fountain in the way to sure. I'd like to begin with, what does the Bible tell us about angels? I might never have another situation where we can deal with this subject. I hope that you'll take some time to write some notes. You won't possibly remember all these things after you've had the cake and ice cream tonight. Pastor, first of all, what does the Bible tell us about angels? Well, the reason we started here is the very first time that angels shows up in the scriptures. And by reading from this very first occasion, uh, would you write this first detail about angels? Angels can appear to people on earth. Angels can appear to people on earth. Look there again in verse number 7. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness. So angels appear. Again, if you're taking notes, angels can appear to people on the earth. We won't turn to it. Luke chapter 1, verse 11, And there appeared unto him an angel. Luke chapter number 22, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven. First thing, angels can appear to people on earth. Now, all this is setting the stage for where we're going. Second thing that we find about angels, look there in verse number 8, and he said. But I say secondly, every time an angel appears on earth, he appears as a he. Every time an angel appears on earth, he appears as a heat. Most artists, when they draw angels, they draw angels as women. And they draw angels as women with wings. They are wrong on both counts. Every time an angel shows up on earth, that angel shows up 
as a male, as a he, it's important to know that. Uh, so again, we're just trying to assemble these things about angels. First, angels can appear to people on earth. Second, on earth, angels always appear as males. Third thing, uh, we notice here in verse number 8, and he said. Uh, would you write the third thing down in that uh, angels can talk to people? They can talk. Now you say, preacher, I already knew that. Not everybody knew that. Angels can talk so many times when God sends an angel, it's with a message. It was an angel that came to Zacharias, Luke chapter 1, said, your wife will give birth to a young boy named John. It was an angel that came to Mary and told Mary that she would bear the Son of God in her womb. It was angels that came to those shepherds on the hillside and told them that the Christ child had been born. Third thing, angels can talk to people. I'll give you a fourth thing. Notice there, if you would, in verse number 7. It says, and the angel of the Lord. It doesn't always have the word the before angel. Do you know, whenever we find that term, the angel of the Lord, how many times it's an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. We don't have time to get into that. But when you find it, a text talking about angels, that's all fine. When you find a text talking about the angel of the Lord so many times, it's not airtight, but so many times it's talking about a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus Christ. Do you know all of the angelic creatures, they're not all angels, but all of the heavenly hosts, they're called that in the scriptures, uh, when uh, the shepherds were told that the Christ child was born, uh, that was called the host of heaven. Do you know back there in 1 Kings 22, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him. Pastor, who is included in the host of heaven? Well, there are angels and there are cherubim and there are seraphim. Uh, look there, keep your hand in Genesis if you would. Uh, look over there in the book of Job. Job, if you would, right before Psalms. Uh, it might be a bit of a hunt to find it. It'll be worth the hunt. Job chapter 38 is talking about when the Lord laid the foundations of the earth, when God created the earth. When God created the earth, there was already a host of heaven that watched God and Jesus in this creation. And they rejoiced as this world was created. Job chapter 38, verse number 7. Start in verse number 6. Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, who laid the cornerstone thereof, when the morning stars sang together. This is at the creation. Part of the heavenly host is morning stars. Keep reading verse 7. And all the sons of God shouted for joy. Those aren't human beings that are shouting for joy in that verse. They're part of the host of heaven. I say to you, this host of heaven is made up of angels, of cherubim. It's made up of seraphim, morning stars, sons of God. Uh, we know that in that host is an archangel named Michael. And uh, there is what I'm saying, fourth detail. There are different levels of angels. There are different levels of angels. Back there, if you would, to Genesis chapter number 16. Genesis chapter 16, we find that uh, this angel of the Lord just appeared. It, it, no notice. It wasn't like trumpet blown before it happened. 
uh, the fifth deal of, uh, detail, if you'd write, that uh, angels are spirit beings. Angels are spirit beings. That are not flesh and blood as you and I. Uh, that's why angels entered into locked prisons, Acts 12. And that's why angels open prison doors, Acts 5. And that's why angels ascend in a flame, Judges 13. I give you a sixth detail about angels. They're sent to encourage and minister to people. They're sent to encourage and minister to people. And so how many times do we find in the scriptures God sends an angel and that angel is sent to encourage. Right after Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights, was being tempted. The Bible says after that, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 11, then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So again, the sixth detail is angels are sent to encourage and minister to people. Second, uh, seventh detail is angels have great power. Angels have great power. Now, we're just trying to set a foundation here. Uh, do you know that uh, you are no match for an angel? Give it up. Uh, throw the hands up and surrender before it starts. Uh, angels are able to travel great distance quickly. Angels are immortal. Angels are strong. One angel killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night. An angel broke the seal on Jesus' tomb and rolled away the stone and one day an angel will bind the devil and imprison him for a thousand years. That's all an angel. Say, preacher, what's the job of angels? Uh, the eighth detail about angels is angels worship the Lord. You know, if up in heaven, that's what they'll do. Incidentally, when we get to heaven, a lot of our time is just worshiping God. Say, pastor, I couldn't stand it. Well, You'll have a different mindset when you get there. Angels up in heaven, they worship God. It seems angels report to God about what's happening on this earth. That's the ninth detail. They report to God what is happening on earth. And finally, the tenth de detail is they run errands for God. Now, I said all that because there are a host of angelic beings. We can't even see them. But they're here. God is represented in all that we see. I give you a second thing. Look, if you would, you can let go of all of those places. Colossians chapter 1. Uh, we began with uh, what does the Bible tell us about angels? And I, I gave you a dozen details about angels. Second, if uh, you would, look there in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter number 1. And uh, verse number 16, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, uh, we read in that verse and trying to find it, for by him, pastor, who's the him? It's Jesus Christ. By him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, Notice all things were created by him and for him. Do you know that Jesus created everything? I didn't say what the JWs want you to believe. They want you to believe that Jesus was the first of all that was created by God. That is not what our Bible says. Our Bible says that Jesus created all things. Notice again right near the end of verse 16. 
says all things were created by him. That's by Christ. Notice also, and for him. So when the angels were created, those angels were created for God. And so if you're writing anything down on the second point, uh, angels are referred to as the angels of God because they were created by God and they were created for God. So now the second question is this, Pastor, you've given us all these details about angels. Where do fallen angels enter the picture? If they were all angels created by God and created for God, where did these fallen angels come from? Well, look over there in Matthew chapter number 25. I know that we're jumping all over. I don't want to be accused of making this up. Matthew chapter 25. That's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 25 talks about a future judgment. It's the judgment of sheep and goat nations. It takes place at the very beginning of the millennium. Matthew chapter number 25, look there in verse number 41. Again, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41. Then shall he, that's God, say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hold on a minute. I thought when the angels were created, they were all created by Jesus Christ, and they were created by God for God. That's true. Well, how does the devil have angels then? That's the big question. And the answer is there came a point in history where the devil was dissatisfied with his position that God gave him. And so the devil rebelled against God. And we know that the scriptures, and, and we'll look at a couple, but the, the devil who was dissatisfied with his position that God gave he decides, I'm going to rebel. I, I, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to let God be in charge of my life. I'm not going to do it God's way. I'm not going to accomplish God's purpose. And so the devil says, I'm going another way. And the devil approaches some of the angels of God and said, you want to join me? Now, keep in mind what this Jude verse 6 is all about. This Jude verse 6 is that God has given you that old-fashioned faith. And there's going to be people that creep in to try to change that faith. And you are not safe if you buy into what they're trying to do. That's what this example is about. You see, the devil came to the place where he no longer wanted to do it God's way. Pastor, where do we get that from? Well, you can let go of Matthew. Look there, if you would, in Isaiah chapter number 14. Isaiah chapter number 14. See, where does the Bible tell us about this anarchy? Isaiah chapter 14. And while you're turning to that, I need you to keep your hand in Isaiah 14. And uh, I'd like you to look at another place first, Job chapter 4. So with one hand, Isaiah 14, I apologize, you, it seems like we're jumping all over. Uh, Job chapter 4. So again, all the angels, when they were created, they were angels of God. Uh, 
They were created by God. They were created to serve God. Well, one day something went wrong with some of God's angels. Look there in Job chapter number 4. Again, Job chapter 4 and verse 17. The Bible asks the question, it says, Shall mortal man be more just than God? That's the question. The answer to that question is, Let's look at the question again. Shall mortal man be more just than God? The answer is no. Folks, God's always right. God's way is always correct. So the answer to the question is, can mortal man be more just than God? The answer is no. But sometimes people think my plan is better than God's plan. Keep reading there in verse 17. Shall a man be more pure than his maker? The answer is, no, you and I will never be more pure than God who made us. Look down verse 18. Behold, he, that's God, put no trust in his servants, and his angels he charged with folly. God said that one day some of his angels made a foolish choice. That's what folly is, it's foolishness. One day his angels made a foolish choice. Say, well, Pastor, what was the choice? Look there in Isaiah 14. Isaiah chapter 14. Uh, look there in verse number 12. We know Satan's other name is Lucifer. It's also called the devil and Apollyon. There's a number of names for the devil. Isaiah 14 verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said, so this is, while, this is while Satan is still up in heaven. He was created as a cherub. There's five of them. He was created as a covering cherub. He had a position there around the throne of God. And uh, he, he literally had a higher position of all five. But one day he wasn't satisfied with that. But there again in verse 13. God is saying to the devil, for thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now, hold on a minute. Lucifer already had a lofty assignment. He already had a great position. He was higher than any of the other four cherubs. I hate to say it, but I think it's true. It's God the Father in heaven, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And if we had to pick who's number four, it'd be a pretty good pick. And yet that wasn't enough for Lucifer. He was dissatisfied with the position that God gave. And that's why he said there, I will ascend. I will become like the most high God. God knew what was going on. God knew that this man, Lucifer, was trying to change the way things were run in heaven. And God wasn't going to let it go for a minute. Look at the very next verse, Isaiah chapter 14, and look at verse 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And so God stopped it. Again, we're, we're, we're asking this question, where did fallen angels come from? If they were all created by God and they were all created for God, where'd they even come from? 
they were part of the angels of God who, when the devil was dissatisfied with a position that he had, the devil decides, I'm not going to do it God's way. The devil talks some of those angels into following his rebellious plan. That's Isaiah. Look there in Ezekiel. I keep going. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, chapter 28. Ezekiel, chapter 28. So this, this account of what the devil tried to do, it's not just written in Isaiah 14, though it certainly is. It's also written in Ezekiel chapter 28. There in Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse number 11. Ezekiel 28 and verse, no, I'll start there in verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the uh, sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle and gold, the workmanship of thy tabards and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covered. That's talking about the devil. You know, he had everything. He had the best of positions. And he had all this ability. Some of that stuff there is musical ability. Some have said this, that Lucifer in heaven was the choir director. He was the song leader. He was the man that was in charge of the music, the man. Uh, he was the cherub that was in charge of the music. How could you want something more than that? And yet one day he decided, this isn't enough. I've got to have more. And he wanted to cast off how heaven had been conducted for all of those eons. Keep reading there in Ezekiel chapter 28, Verse number 14, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. So he did some iniquity. He did some sin. And the sin that he did was, I don't want to do it anymore God's way. I want to do it my way. And he tried to talk as many angels into following that plan. Again, we start in Jude. If you have a bookmark in Jude, what happened to those angels that followed the devil's plan? Well, look there in Jude and verse number six. Jude and verse number six. We read there, and the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. You know what that's saying? God stopped. This little secret plan. Could you imagine the devil deciding which angels he could rope into this plan without God finding out? Isn't that foolish? Folks, God knows everything. God knows what you're thinking before you think it. And yet Lucifer decided, I'm going to raise up this uprising against the Lord. And he obviously had some angels that bought into that plan. And when God decided it was time, God exposed what they had done 
you say, Preacher, why did Jude write again about these fallen angels? Again, it was another example of somebody who had the blessing of God upon their life until they talked themselves into thinking it's not enough. Are you satisfied with what God's doing in your life? Folks, we, we always want God to do more, yes. But you know, dissatisfaction was where those fallen angels' trouble began. We've seen so far tonight, we've seen, what does the Bible tell us about angels? We've seen where do fallen angels enter the Bible picture. They were originally God's angels, but they were persuaded into following Satan instead of God. I give you a third thing. Look there in Colossians 2. Colossians chapter number 2. It's New Testament, almost near the end of the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter number 2. Now, I recognize that this one takes more thinking. I understand that. Sometimes we can coast in the preaching. Sometimes we have to establish some facts that maybe some don't know. Pastor, that whole thing about angels is fascinating. That God created them and all the power and ability that they have. Yeah, but you know, with all that you could spend investigating angels, we're warned to be careful. Look there in Colossians 2 and verse number 18. Colossians 2 and verse 18, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. Do you know in this recent generation, haven't we seen a rise in the interest of angels? There are movies about angels. There are pictures about angels. Have you noticed that there seems to be an infatuation to anything that has to do with angels? Some folks believe that they can drive recklessly and live recklessly because after all they have a guardian angel. And so they just they, they, they drive like a madman. And maybe there's some here you're taking advantage of that. And again, some have uh, excused what they do because they have an angel that helps them with it. Many believe angels are beautiful and, and uh, want to make much of angels. But here in Colossians 2 and verse 18, Paul is warning against a worshiping of angels. It's a strange thing. People have a hard time worshiping God, but they won't mind worshiping angels. Why is that? Well, it seems to be it's a little fascinating talking about angels. Some pray to angels. You know, uh, some have given a name to who they think is their guardian angel. And uh, Hollywood has its movies about angels. Nashville has its song about angels. I'm sure China and Korea sell their trinkets about angels. Bookstores, if you walk into a bookstore, they've got all kinds of books about angels. And people who otherwise would not consider themselves religious have framed pictures of angels. And preacher, if angels are indeed creatures that God made, what's so wrong with all that? Because it's an attempt to get your eyes off of God. Could I say third, why must we be cautious in the matter of angels? Why must we be cautious in the matter of angels? And the answer is because all of our attention is to be on God. The devil would like nothing better than for you or I 
to make a big deal about an angel. Our big deals are all to be about God. How many false religions today claim having messages from an angel? That'd be true for the Mormons. They talk about the angel Moroni. They make a big deal about that. That would be true about the Muslims. Do you know if you follow anything of what the Muslims talk about, they claim that there was an angel named Gabriel. Oh, that sounds close to the Bible. And Gabriel had 600 wings, and he talked to Muhammad. Folks, that's nonsense. That's just trying to get your attention off of God. So I say to you that Satan, who once was an anointed cherub, he had a lofty position in heaven, and no doubt Satan, with that respected position, was able to deceive angels. And so that's why I say you need to be careful. You need to be careful. I give you four things. I have five total. I have four things. Look back there in Jude, verse 6. Jude, verse 6. Okay, pastor, so far we've seen what does the Bible tell us about angels. And we've seen where to fall when angels enter the Bible picture. They were all angels of God till they were deceived, till they followed the devil himself. Why must we be cautious in the matter of angels? All of our attentions to be on God, nothing else but God. Look again at Jude in verse number 6. It says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Say, Pastor, I think I understand this picture now. When the devil raised a rebellion, and when some of the angels followed the devil, God, when he exposed that plot, According to Jude, verse number 6, God reserved them in everlasting chains under judgment. They're all locked up. Well, those were locked up. But the question is, aren't there devils and demons and false spirits? And yeah, there are. So they're not all locked up. Not all of the angels of God that turned against God, they're not all locked up. When you get to Matthew chapter 5, that demoniac of Gadara, he had a legion of angels, or sorry, a legion of false spirits in him. Pastor, I thought they're all locked up. You know what? You'd have to come to one of two conclusions. Either when some of the angels turned their back on God and followed the devil, some of them left their uh, estate, their position. And they also left their habitation. That was their location. It is, I'm going to lose some of you. So either the reaction of those angels that follow the devil, they did two different stages in their rebellion. Some were leaders, and some were just naive followers. That's either the explanation. So the one that naive followed, they, they still have been given a little more time, but they've still fallen. Or, Genesis 1 isn't the only time that angels of God have followed the devil's plan. Now, remember, in Genesis 1, there are angels that fell. When you get to Genesis 6, and we won't wade into this discussion and take more than a minute, it says the sons of God saw the daughters of men. People want to race to that and say, well, no, the sons of God were the sons of Seth. You would never get that out of the plain reading of Genesis 6. 
sons of God in Job 38 were angelic beings. All I'm saying to you is, there were some that fell in Genesis 1. There are more of the angels of God that seem to have fallen, because if they were all locked up in Genesis 1, you couldn't have Genesis 6. I'm saying angels of God have fallen more than once. Now remember what we're trying to get at. Jude is saying that there will be constant attempts to get God's people to abandon the faith that once was delivered unto the saints. And you know, if the devil can't get you this way, the devil's not giving up. He's going to try to get you another way and another way. I'm done with this. Last one. Look there in Jude, verse 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, says, but left their own habitation. He, he, who's he? Help me, who's he? God. Why don't you notice the last thing? When those angels rebelled, how did God respond? When those angels rebelled, how did God respond? Now, Pastor, why would we look at that? Because in the history of every church, there will be attempts to change that old faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And when there is that kind of an attempt that is made, how are we supposed to respond to that? How are we supposed to react to that? Well, let's see what God did. Let's see what God did when some of his angels turned their back on God and walked away from God. Look again at verse 6. Jude, verse number 6, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he, that's God, hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Do you know that uh, when there were some angels that said, God, we no longer want to do it your way. God, we no longer want you to be the Lord of our lives. God, we no longer want you to dictate what we are to do. We are going to dictate ourselves what we'll do. You know, when they made that foolish choice, God didn't get on his hands and knees and said, oh, please. Won't you have a change of mind? God didn't weep alligator tears. God's lower lip didn't start quivering. He didn't start saying, listen, let's negotiate because we want to keep you at any cost. God said, okay. God said, poor choice but it is the choice that you made. But I say to you that when God saw a portion of his angels walk away, God just kept on running heaven the way he'd always had. He just did it without those fallen angels. Keep your hand in Jude. Look at the very last book, Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter number 12. Say, Pastor, altogether, how many angels turned their back on God? 
Revelation chapter number 12. Look there, if you would, in verse number 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon. Who is that? That's the devil. A great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. You know, if that verse is talking about the devil's plan, and I think it is, the devil convinced a third of God's angels to follow his uprising. Well, how does God deal with a third of his angels who walk away? He doesn't change his plan. He doesn't revise the program. He doesn't weep. He doesn't cry. And he doesn't say, let's sit down at the table and renegotiate because I don't want to lose any of you. God didn't do anything of the sort. God said, you know what? Heaven still continues, whether it's with you or whether it's without you. The plan of saving souls hasn't changed. We just as soon do it with you. But we're not going to change the plan of winning souls just to make you fallen angels a little happier. Now, one more time. What's Jude writing about? Jude is writing that the very last days before the Lord comes back, there will be an attempt to overturn the faith, to change what churches have been doing for a long, long time. And Jude said, it's going to happen. Jude warned, it, you can't prevent it from happening. And those that are the orchestrators of trying to change the old-fashioned faith, you might not be able to change their minds. They've already determined they're going that way. But one, you don't have to go with them. And two, you don't have to change to keep them. You just have to press on with the program of God. He lost a third of his angels. And folks, in the history of every church, and ours would not be excluded, there will be attempts to change what we do. Pastor, I think this old-fashioned King James Bible, I think that's just too old-fashioned. We need something newer. No, we're just going to stick to the old faith. We're not changing. We'd like you to be with us. But if that's the choice that you want, see it. Pastor, I think this business of taking the gospel out to the streets of our city, I think that's far too intimidating for a Christian to have to do that. I think we should change that. No. Christians have been taking the gospel to the streets of their cities since the time that Jesus walked this earth. We're not changing that. We'd like you to be with us. But if you're thinking of changing us Sorry, we're not changing. Do you understand that that's what Jude's writing about? He's given an example of how the Israelites, they were delivered from Egypt, but 
after that, they made some bad choices. And now he's given a picture of angels. Man, who could have it better than an angel? <laughs> who could have a better situation than an angel's God? But you know, they were dissatisfied. You can have all the money in the world, or you can have no money in the world. Are you satisfied with what you've got? Dissatisfaction is the beginning of all the troubles those fallen angels had. And when they made that choice, God said, it's your choice. But heaven keeps it going on. And we're not changing. Imagine a third of those angels, one day, they'll stand at the great white throne judgment. The Bible says they'll be judged, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and Revelation 20. One day, all those angels that followed the wrong voice and followed the wrong boss, they'll say to themselves, what a stupid choice. Folks, you want to stay on the path of what's doing what's right. And if someone decides that's not what I want, that's their choice. You have to keep doing what that old-fashioned faith once delivered unto the saints. Let's pray. Father Jude is giving three reasons why some who were so blessed of God messed up afterwards and they missed all that God had planned for them. His first one was the nation of Israel. Or the second one was angels. The angels that fell. The angels that sinned. Lord, what an awesome warning that is to all of us. We might have made it this far, endured all kinds of opposition as a believer. But the devil's not given up. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to determine to press on, to do what's right, whether others walk away from that old faith or don't. That shouldn't affect what we do.